Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, August the 8th. This week's podcast is dedicated to the 17th World AIDS meeting, which is concluding in Mexico City as we speak. All week, we've had a team of Lancet editors attending the meeting. And the first thing I should say is do please visit the Lancet Global Health Network.com, where all our daily blogs and audio reports and pictures from Mexico are collated together. But let's jump back a few days to the beginning of the meeting on Sunday, August the 3rd. And here's our North American senior editor, Faith McClellan, talking to the Lancet's editor, Dr. Richard Horton. This is Faith McClellan reporting from Mexico City, where we're at the AIDS Conference 2008. And I'm here with uh, several Lancet editors, Dr. Pam Das and Richard Horton, who's going to um, tell us what he thinks might happen in the next few days. Well, we've just struggled through a demonstration to get into the press conference media center. And, of course, that's the great jamboree of the AIDS conferences. They are celebrations, there's activism, there are marches... And also somewhere amid all that, there's a little bit of science. And actually, the science this week is quite exciting. There's some great clinical trials being presented. But I think most interestingly of all for me are some of the non-biomedical work that's coming out. For example, evidence that shows that strict intellectual property restrictions actually doesn't spread new technologies in low-middle-income countries. It stops the spread of new technologies completely against what the World Trade Organization says. And evidence showing that although formula feeding in the short term does lead to higher rates of HIV in young infants. Over a course of about a year, breastfeeding leads to improvements in mortality, which is immensely important and good news for mothers trying to make that difficult decision about breastfeeding in the context of HIV AIDS. So I think there are some really important groundbreaking work that's going to be presented this week of particular interest to low and middle income countries. I'm joined on the line by Faith McClellan. Faith, you're going to talk to us once again, which is great. First question, please. Has the meeting lived up to Richard Horton's expectations? Did you find any science there buried among the politics and the policy? Richard, I have to say that I think Richard Horton was on to something on Monday or Sunday, whenever we taped that earlier. There's lots of discussion about the many facets of uh, HIV AIDS, living with it and preventing it, and so forth. The science is sort of buried, I have to say. All the sessions have input from just a huge range of people, community activists, people living with AIDS, sociologists, and so forth. It isn't the kind of hardcore science meeting that I was expecting. This is my first international AIDS conference, but it has been rich and exciting and extremely vibrant, and I must say, totally exhausting, and we have another day and a half of exhaustion to go. What have been some of the highlights for you? And we'll talk about the Lancet series launch in a moment. So putting the Lancet to one side for a moment, what's really stuck out for you? Well, I am struck by the incredible energy and enthusiasm of so many people from so many different professional arenas and and non-professional arenas who are working on these issues. And they're very, very passionate about uh, getting this epidemic under control. So I've been very impressed by the numbers of people, their deep enthusiasm, 
mechanisms and the very, very wide range of topics that have been covered. It's just great that this meeting is being held for the first time in Latin America. Here in Mexico, for example, they've had a pretty tremendous success in controlling HIV-AIDS because they had very intensive programs to deal with it back in the uh, 1980s. And we've heard from some of the key players uh, in that effort, including Jaime Sepulveda, who's now at the Gates Foundation, who gave a really wonderful talk in the opening plenary about the state of the epidemic. And, of course, we also heard from the ever-charismatic former president of the United States, Bill Clinton, who spoke with great eloquence about the things his foundation is doing in particular around the world to uh, combat HIV-AIDS, but how far we have to go. The other interesting thing, Richard, is we've heard in a number of sessions from some very young people. There was a 13-year-old girl in one of the early sessions who actually edits a magazine that I believe is put out by UNICEF, and it's uh, targeted at kids who are about 9 to 13, 15 years old, about HIV-AIDS. The ways that awareness is being increased and the people who are doing it is truly remarkable. Faith, let's turn now to the Lancet series, which is looking at HIV prevention. We publish a series online. We published it to coincide with the Mexico meeting this week, a series of six articles and two comments related to it, looking at HIV prevention. How much At the meeting, has prevention been a main thrust? Prevention has really been, I would say, a buzzword of this meeting. And I have to say, uh, in all modesty and objectivity, the Lancet Symposium was a really hot ticket. Uh, The room was completely packed. There were people, dozens, hundreds of people sitting on the floor, standing against the walls, and finally the organizers closed it to any any further uh, entrance. Obviously, it was a fire hazard. But I think that just goes to show that people are passionately interested in what we should be doing in prevention because, as the series points out, this has been a fairly neglected area in HIV-AIDS, and boy, is it time to put that at the top of the agenda. Absolutely. And at this point, I must urge people, if they haven't already gone to it, to visit the LancetGlobalHealthNetwork.com, where we're hosting all our blogs and audio and images from the meeting. And you can link to the Kaiser Network, who have webcast the entire Lancet Symposium, which took place on Tuesday, August the 5th, where you can actually watch the whole symposium taking place. And also, Faith, a press conference was held after the main symposium that launched the Lancet HIV Prevention Series. How did that go? The press conference was quite lively as well. Some of the same speakers who had spoken in the symposium were at the press conference, and there was one new person there. So that gave a tremendous variety of perspectives on the papers in the series, and reporters and other people there seemed to be quite interested in some of the messages. And I have to say, the message that prevention must incorporate all kinds of behavioral, social, and economic factors seem to really strike a chord. One of the things that has been said quite a bit in this meeting is that the AIDS community, HIV uh, community, whether it's biomedical or or social or whatever, really needs to take a lesson from business. Coca-Cola is obviously quite effective at getting their product out to every person on the planet, it would seem. And we would like to have that kind of campaign and dissemination effort in the area of HIV prevention. So those themes were picked up on both in the symposium and in the press conference. And let's just listen to a clip from the press conference now. This is our colleague, Dr. Pam Daz, introducing the press conference. As we've been constantly reminded, the number of new infections 
continues to outpace our treatment efforts. In the long term, it will be highly unlikely that we can sustain the treatment response both medically and economically. If we are to stem the tide of the epidemics that we're being faced with right now, we really need to focus our attention on prevention. And a full audio version of the press conference is available, as I say, via the Lancet Global Health Network. I'm joined by the Lancet's press officer, Tony Kirby. Tony, you've put an incredible amount of work into the press conference that we've just been talking about, although you've done it all remotely from London. What's the coverage been like? Yes, thanks, Richard. The series has been extensively covered around the world, but I'm going to start with the UK national papers. The Daily Telegraph's Tom Peterkin has focused on the biomedical interventions paper and the possibility of a so-called anti-AIDS pill that could be taken to prevent transmission of HIV. This would, the article says, raise ethical dilemmas about the circumstances in which a pill could be taken. Of course, mothers trying to stop transmission to their unborn babies would be endorsed, but what about its use as a party drug taken before a weekend of promiscuous sexual activity among the straight, bisexual and gay communities? Nancy Padian's paper, which is the second in our series, says that the success of this pill in humans has not yet been proven, but that ongoing trials are showing great promise. The Independent's Jeremy Lawrence follows a similar line, again referring to Nancy Padian's paper in our series, and discusses how the lack of a successful HIV vaccine is driving research in other areas. Lawrence also weaves in a small section on Bill Clinton's attendance at the conference. Andrew Jack in the FT uh, talks about targeting funding appropriately, which is discussed in Peter Piat's paper, the last in our series, and also again refers to Nancy Padian's paper. That one's proven very popular in the coverage worldwide. The New York Times covers the behavioural approaches angle in Thomas Coates' paper, the third in our series, and quotes him. It refers to how stigma and lack of resources are preventing implementation of proven measures such as methadone and clean needle exchanges for injecting drug users. And Jorge Saavedra, um, director of Mexico's HIV AIDS program and featured in a, Lancet, a recent Lancet profile, is also quoted. And in fact, this profile of Saavedra, which we translated into Spanish, is featured in El Mundo, the national newspaper of Spain, along with a large feature on our series. A very forward-looking article also appeared in the conservative paper ABC in Spain, which is a bit of a breakthrough. Across Europe, major titles such as Tagesspiegel and Berliner Morgenpost in Germany and the Standard Austria have run general stories focusing on the aversion of 12 million deaths by 2015. Again, that's tackled in Peter Piot's paper, the last one in our series. In Mexico itself, there's been some stories in the major national titles La Reforma and La Jornada, um, with La Reforma concentrating on combination prevention in general, while La Jornada again looks at uh, Dr. Padian's paper. Um, Forbes, Bloomberg and various agencies have also run stories and web stories have appeared in a wide variety of sites from Yahoo through to the Royal Society UK, um, US News and World Report and AIDS Map. Great, many thanks Tony. I think you deserve a bit of a rest after, after all of that. Tony Kirby, our press officer, with some of the media highlights. So Faith... What's going to happen between now and the end of the session? Are there any late-breaker sessions coming up? Today, I believe, is devoted mainly to late-breaking uh, abstracts, so I'm very interested to see what the state of the science and state of other things will be today uh, and tomorrow at the meeting. Fantastic. Well, it's been a great week. It's been a hard week. Have you enjoyed yourself? Oh, I have had a wonderful time. This meeting, I've learned so much from it, and the meeting is just as vibrant as Mexico City itself. Thanks very much, Faith. And also, just to highlight here in the podcast, and again, more details on the Lancet Global Health Network, our colleague Sally Hargreaves has been out with Faith at the meeting in Mexico, and she's been doing a multitude of audio interviews with some key leading people in the HIV world.
Hello, I'm Sally Hargreaves from the Lancet Infectious Diseases. It's day one of the 17th International AIDS Conference in Mexico City and I'm joined today by Nathan Ford who works for Medicine Sans Frontières in Cape Town, South Africa and Dr. Piela Letola, a doctor from Nizotho. They've both been involved this morning in a symposium exploring the contribution of task shifting to HIV care and treatment in resource-poor settings. First, Nathan Ford, what is task shifting and why is it important? Why is this approach needed? Task shifting broadly means empowering lower cadres of health staff to take on additional responsibilities than they have. It's day three, August the 4th, and I'm privileged to be joined today by the Minister of Health for Ethiopia, Dr Tedros Adhanom. What is the current situation with regards to HIV AIDS in Ethiopia? What are the current challenges you face? I think based on uh, a study in 2005 and also antenatal care study in 2005, the national average for HIV AIDS prevalence is now 2.2%. I'm Sally Hargreaves and I'm joined at the International AIDS Conference in Mexico City today by Manuel Carballo from the International Centre for Migration, Health and Development in Geneva. Can you tell me the reason you're here in Mexico this week? Yes, I've come for two reasons. First, that I'm part of a research group uh, that's called the AIDS Security Conflict Initiative, which is being coordinated by the Social Science Research Council in the United States and the Klingendale Institute in, in the Netherlands. Thanks to everyone, all the colleagues in Mexico and back in London for putting this all together this week. But let's leave the final say to someone fairly well known. I think he used to be a president of the United States of America. Many thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the wonderful welcome. I want to thank Julio Frank for his remarks, for his kind introduction, and for the great work he has done and will do. To Luis Soto Ramirez, thank you for co-chairing this conference. Congratulations to the President-elect of the International Aid Society, Julio Montanier. Fred McClure, your executive director, and I were talking in the back about the remarkable prominence in the International AIDS Society and International AIDS work of people from Mexico and from Latin America, all from countries with low infection rates but high rates of committed citizens with extraordinary ability, and I am grateful to all of them for their work.